Today is Wednesday, January 20th. The title for our devotional is Matters of Christian Freedom. Over the last couple of days, we've been clarifying the context of the conflict Paul addresses here in Romans 14 and the identity of each group in the conflict. Now let's begin diving into the text to see his argument unfold. Today we're going to read Romans 14, 1-12. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. In this text, Paul makes it explicitly clear that this is a matter of, quote, opinion and the Christians should not quarrel over it. This immediately puts it outside the categories of essential doctrine and ethical imperatives. The one who eats should not despise the one who abstains, whereas the one who abstains should not pass judgment on the one who eats. He makes clear that God has welcomed the one who eats, further confirming that the one who eats is the Gentiles who are now a part of the people of God. His basis here is in the fact that each person will answer to their own master, that is, the Lord. The stand and fall language likely refers to the end, when they will stand before the judgment seat of God and he will determine their salvation. The argument in verses 5 through 9 is actually quite similar to the previous paragraph. Whether they eat or abstain, practice the Sabbath or not, they are doing what they are doing to honor the Lord who is their master. Since they then belong to the Lord, and what they do is out of honor to him, in this option, optional matter, they should not pass judgment on one another. We should leave that to God's judgment. See verse 12 for that. This is ultimately based on what is the center of Paul's theology, honoring the Lord. In describing the state of sinful humanity in chapter 1, he writes, in Romans 1, 21-23. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their 
foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, and birds and animals and creeping things. Honoring and glorifying God, then, is at the heart of right relationship with Him. Diverse practices, then, should be tolerated in the church as long as they honor God and do not violate the essential doctrines of the gospel and the clear ethical imperatives of Christ. We should also note how Paul seems to interchange the words Lord, referring to Jesus, and God in these passages, referring to the Father in verses 5 through 9. This further indicates that Paul thought of Jesus as God and the Father's representative here on earth. To interchange him with God the Father would be the utmost heresy if he weren't indeed God. For additional content today, I've included a portion of the Bible Project podcast on the family of God. They're going through this series right now on their podcast, and it's fantastic. Hope you enjoy. So um, Paul's been introduced into the story here, or Saul, Saul of Tarsus. But the, Ant- the city of Antioch becomes the home base for all of these uh, Gentiles leaders being sent out to share the message of Jesus with non-Israelites. Mm-hmm. But some, we're told at the beginning of Acts 15, some um, men came down from Judea and began teaching the siblings. Now listen, you can't be rescued by Jesus, unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses. It's my paraphrase. Yeah. It's the Jewish Messiah. Just read your Bible. It's the family of Abraham, yeah. Ishmael. Moses Moses was almost killed because... Totally. Yeah, that's right. That's he right. hadn't circumcised his Yeah, that's right. So son that's just or something? Within, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's just within the Hebrew Bible. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And within recent memory for these people, the Maccabees, I mean, think of the mother who laid down her life with her seven sons in the story of the Maccabees. Not familiar. Because they wouldn't eat unkosher foods and break the Sabbath mm. and reverse their circumcision. That important. The blood of the martyrs mm. in this soil mm. has taken place over circumcision. And you're going to make this optional? Yeah. If you want to be a part of the family of Abraham, do what we've always done. That's yeah. their argument. And it, they have the Bible on their side. Yeah, they have recent history. <laughs> recent history and charged culture war yeah. boundary lines. So Paul and Barnabas had great division and debate with them. Mm-hmm. And the siblings all determined that they should all go up to Jerusalem and have a Bible study and a, a council meeting. Mm. So th- this is not small, small change here. This right. is like... This, this is, is what, at the heart of what yeah. it means to be in the family. Totally. Totally. So what they do is um, they all go back, and there's all kinds of people there. There's some Pharisees, so very strict, politically, religiously conservative Jews, uh, who get up, and they give their point of view. And what they say is the Bible, tradition, custom. Then all of these Israelites who have been out seeing non-Israelites, like Cornelius, come into the family, and they start telling their stories. So Peter tells the story of Cornelius, and we're told that Paul and Barnabas start saying, like, dude, we went 
to all these other places. And it's crazy, man. These non-Israelites love Jesus <laughs> and are following him, living by the Sermon on the Mount. It's amazing. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit did stuff in their midst just like he did with us on Pentecost. So um, Jacob gets up, or he's called, translated James here. This is the brother of Jesus, or half-brother of Jesus, Jacob. And so he says, brothers. So Simeon just related how God first concerned himself about taking from among the Gentiles a people for his name. And, you know, um, I was just reading the, the book of the Twelve this morning. <laughs> this is my paraphrase. <laughs> uh, the book of the Twelve Prophets. And, you know, it's written in the words of the prophets. And he quotes from the this poem at the end of um, uh, the book of Amos, Old Testament prophet. He's quoting from a speech of God that says, after these things, and this is after the destruction of Israel and the exile, God says, I'm going to rebuild the tent of David that has collapsed. I'll restore its ruins and rebuild it so that the remainder of humanity may seek the Lord and all the nations that are called by my name, says the Lord who made these things known from long ago. Therefore, it's my judgment that, you know, we should not trouble these Gentiles, these non-Israelites who are turning to God. We should write to them that, you know, they should stay away from food sacrificed to idols. They shouldn't sleep with somebody they're not married to. And they shouldn't eat blood of animals that have been strangled, that haven't been dealt with in proper kosher way. Because Moses, from time past, has in every city where he's preached, been read aloud, and he's read in synagogues every Sabbath. So it's a compromise. It is a compromise. It's a compromise. Yeah, and you know, we talked about this at some point, and we didn't really get to the bottom of it. Hmm. The compromise strikes me as mm-hmm. suspicious. Yeah. Because this is about circumcision, so it's like, okay, well, we're not going to have them do the... They're not going to do circumcision, that, yeah. which is significant. But we still would like them to do this kosher thing. Yeah. Yeah, which is what the... The what, specific kosher practice, which is to make sure that the blood is, is not... drained. Is drained. Correct. And that, and you know, you yeah. can maybe understand, like, life's in the blood, and this is a really important symbol. Yep. And what's interesting is when you get a window back on this with Paul's letter, you find out what he's been teaching the non-Israelites in Corinth. Mm-hmm. And he, what he tells them is food that's been sacrificed to the idols is totally fine to eat. Don't go into the temples and eat it as a yeah. part of a worship ritual. Right. But it's totally fine to eat it. Yeah. So, so, so even he, this compromise. Yeah. Paul doesn't follow Paul it. Paul doesn't follow it. <laughs> totally. But so what's interesting is it's showing about them making a concession. Yeah. But even then, it's not the full... The full deal, yeah. That um, other of the, of the apostles are where they're going to take it. Hmm. Isn't that interesting. It is interesting. So Luke is interested in this portrait of the challenge. Yeah, this is happening in real time. Yes. How is this going to happen as yes. they wrestle through this? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Peter gets a vision. They got to get together and talk about it. They come up with a compromise. It's a compromise that Paul, the apostle Paul, is going to even mm-hmm. backpedal on a bit. Mm-hmm. His conviction is that there should be no cultural boundary line that yeah. keeps a, a non-Israelite from coming into the family. Right. It's, it's by trusting and following Jesus alone. That's what constitutes membership in the family of Abraham, which we'll get to in our next step of our conversation. But what I'm interested in, yeah, what we're focusing on, that the book of Acts doesn't 
present this as a neat foregone conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The inclusion of... And it doesn't have some neat story that just kind of like ties it all up really nice. Yeah, that's right. Today, reflect on your grasp of essential doctrines of the faith and the ethical imperatives found in Scripture. Do you know those in such a way that you are therefore able to discern what is a matter of opinion and what falls within the realm of Christian freedom and what all Christians must agree on? These categories are super important for us to clarify so that we know what's worth drawing lines on and what isn't. I always think of them as in three categories. First one is doctrinal essentials. Second one, non-essentials. And the third, opinions. Essentials includes things like salvation by grace alone through faith alone in Jesus. Non-essentials includes things like Calvinism versus Arminianism or end times theology. Opinions includes things like Bible translations and worship music styles. Think through some of your favorite doctrinal conversations. Which categories do they fall in? according to that paradigm.